This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully everybody is doing well. Well, the Rangers aren't doing very well, right? They finally lose a game, get humbled by the Islanders 6-1. But I will tell you, this is a 1-0 game after 1, 3-1 game after 2, in which the Rangers did have a couple of opportunities, Zibanejad and Howden, to make it a 3-2 game. But really, the better team won. I mean, the Islanders are just equipped to just take offensive teams like the Rangers and just squelch their opportunities, right? They just know where to skate when the Islanders play. And the Rangers need room, and they had plenty of room against the Devils four straight games, and that's why they averaged six goals a game because there's plenty of room, but there's not a lot of room and not a lot of issues where you can kind of create. And once Truba went down, uh, that really just hurt the Rangers because for some reason, Bedetto's in the lineup, right? And he's in the lineup for Hayek, and he was taken out of the lineup for Sunday's game against the Devils. Rangers win that game, so what happens? A lot of coaches do it in the NHL. They don't want to change the lineup, but Deto stays in. Now you're playing with five defensemen for 50 minutes, and that's going to expose Smith and Bedetto, and a lot of things kind of fell apart with those guys on the ice. So we don't know how long Truba's going to be out. Coach didn't say anything. Um, I would suspect he's not going to play tomorrow because it really looked bad. He looked woozy, didn't play. And Hayek comes back in, but could this also be an opportunity for Zach Jones to come in? Because now you got to wonder, with 10 games remaining, mathematically still alive, but six points back of Boston, and they don't lose, by the way. The Bruins have won five in a row. They shut out the Sabres last night. And with two games in hand, and now you've got nine-point deficit with Pittsburgh. We'll get into that in just a second. You're 10 behind the Islanders and the Capitals. The Rangers are running out of time here. And if they want to get Zach Jones in the lineup to give him a taste of what it's like for the next year, get get hit the ground running, With if Truba is going to be out, this could be the excellent opportunity for Jones to get himself 10 NHL games. I'm not saying the Rangers are dead. I'm not saying that they should give up on these final 10 games, but the reality is beginning to set in. This is probably not going to happen. It shouldn't come at the expense of a kid that's signed, ready, dressed. Uh, he's skating with the team during practices. You don't want to see him miss opportunities to play because you believe that there's this fantasy that you still can make up this ground. Last night, the reality became fantasy because if they had beaten the Islanders, now you're within six, you keep pace with Boston. But it's really, I I just think they're running out of uh, road here uh, with just 10 games remaining. And now you've got, uh, listen, if you want to see it done, they've got four games coming up here, two with Philadelphia, two with Buffalo. Those are two teams that are behind you in the standings. Then you got to go out and get the eight points. You can't jerk around. Sweep these next four games, hope Boston slips, and maybe things change a little bit. But really the reality is telling you that Boston, with, with Tuka Rask is back, and he pitched the shutout last night. And they're going to get healthier, Boston, as we get down the stretch here. Marchand has just been unbelievable for them. Um, and you've got Pittsburgh. They've, they've got problems. They gave up six goals in the third period. Devils became the first team ever to score six goals in the third period and lose. Um, so there's goaltending problems there in Pittsburgh. But, again, it's a nine-point lead, and the Rangers do not play Pittsburgh the rest of the way. So uh, it, it's it's really, really going to be tough. And, and, and talking about that game last night, Pittsburgh's got a 6 nothing lead going into the third period, right? Give the Devils credit. They score three goals in a row to kind of make it interesting. Heashier scores. Sharon Govich scores. And you're thinking, all right, maybe we got something going here. Bastion scores, makes it 6-3. Then Crosby scores. Think about this. Sid the Kid scores 11-15 into the third period to make it 7-3. Did he think in his wildest dreams, all right, 
with less than nine minutes to play in the game, up 7-3, that that would be the game-winning goal. But that's what would happen. Hughes gets his 10th. Foote gets his first National Hockey League goal. That's Adam Foote's son. Uh, Cal is his oldest son in the Tampa organization. Uh, Nolan is a couple of years younger. Devils traded for him when they sent Blake Coleman to Tampa to get Foote. Foote made his debut on Sunday. So in his third National Hockey League game, he picks up – or his first, second National Hockey League game, he picks up his first goal. And then Janssen scores his fourth, and all of a sudden it's a 7-6 game with a little over 40 seconds to go. Uh, afterwards, Sullivan said the goaltending's got to be better. He's absolutely right. There, there was a point, I guess, last month when Pittsburgh was red hot and surviving through all of their injuries where they were getting tremendous goaltending from Jari um, and DeSmith. And that's not so much the case anymore, and last night was just an embarrassment. So you know, Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs, but you just wonder, is that goaltending going to be good enough to be able to get out of that division? Uh, Hurricanes, another statement. Beat the Lightning 4-1. At what point? Do we start to talk about Tampa not just being bored or and, and maybe just not as good as we thought they are? Now, they're a good team, and I, again, I wouldn't blink if they won the Stanley Cup, but, but I've been guilty of this as well. They've, they've been 500, and it's so easy. Listen, they know they're in the playoffs. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions. You know They're going to be fine, plus 32 goal differentials, still second best in the division, right up there is the best in the league. They're going to be fine. But at what point do we say, okay, they're going to be fine, but you know what? Carolina's just better. You know, Carolina beats them. Carolina is now in first place. They've got a three-point lead on Tampa with a game in hand. So at what point do we say, yeah, Tampa's going to be fine, but you know what? Carolina's better. And now maybe Florida might be better. Now, Florida's got a three-point lead as well, but they played one more game than Tampa. You know, but they've won three in a row. And, you know, they picked up a win last night as well as they were able to beat the Blue Jackets 5-1. to one. And a couple of stories in this game. They went out and got Sam Bennett. He scored three goals in the two games he's played for the Panthers, including two last night. And what has been the issue with Florida going back to when we started to see the demise of Roberto Luongo? What was the conversation always about the Florida Panthers? Is their goaltending going to be good enough? And maybe they found themselves, certainly the future goaltender, and Spencer Knight makes his National Hockey League debut, and he allows just one goal. And here's what Spencer Knight can be. For some of you older fans out there, certainly um, older than Anthony, my producer, who probably doesn't even know about this unless he just dove into the history. In 1988, the Devils were battling for playoff spot. The Olympics came to an end, and they decided with a few of it was like maybe 16, 17 games left in the season. It was let's get Sean Burke and let him play. All right, let's see if this kid can play. And what Sean Burke did, I think he was 20 at the time, ends up lights out. I think he was 10 and one down the stretch for the Devils, and the Devils beat out um, the Rangers and the Penguins. It was a very interesting day. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday uh, last game, last se- day of the season. And earlier in the afternoon, the Penguins took on the Hartford Whalers and the Rangers took on the Nordiques at the Garden. And both of those teams had to win to put pressure on New Jersey, who was playing a night game in Chicago, for to make the playoffs. So if the Devils had lost or tied, then the Rangers would have made the playoffs. Pittsburgh, I think, was eliminated once the Rangers won. So it was like earlier in the day, Pittsburgh survives. They beat Hartford get eliminated when the Rangers beat the Nordiques a little bit later on in the day. 
Then the Rangers needed the Devils to lose their tie in Chicago against Darren Pang, if you remember. And Sean Burke beats Pang. McLean gets the goal in overtime. Devils go to the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. It's kind of got that feel that maybe this Florida Panther team, certainly better than that Devil team because they, they're easily in the playoffs. But can Spencer Knight maybe be the guy that ends up leading Florida? Because what happened was Sean Burke then becomes the starting goaltender for the Devils. And not only do the Devils make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history, they go to Game 7 of the conference final where they lost to Boston. Like that close to going to the Stanley Cup final against Edmonton that year. Could Spencer Knight be that guy? And there's obviously enough time if he continues to play well where maybe this could be it. And, and, and how great would that, how crazy would that be if with everything that the Panthers have done to try to find that goaltending, right? To try to find the guy that's going to lead them post Liberto Luongo. And it's not Bobrovsky. It's, it's, it's not anybody, but it ends up being Spencer Knight. We'll see. It's a lot of pressure to put on him, but that's kind of what I thought when I saw that. Uh, Stars with a 5-2 win over the Red Wings. So the overtime win against the Red Wings and then the win last night. Uh, they did what they had to do against the Detroit team that's rebuilding. So now Dallas is just a point out of a playoff spot with two games in hand on Nashville. They've got one less row win but they've got the two games at hand, which I think is important. So Dallas, the way they're playing right now, and they're 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. They've won four in a row. Dallas might be a playoff team. Chicago fading just a little bit, playing 500 over the last 10 games. They're now four points back of Nashville. They have a game in hand on them as well. But Dallas has a game on hand on Chicago. So Dallas certainly, I think, is an excellent chance to make the playoffs. And now free fall for Columbus, 1-8-1 and one in their last 10 Four straight losses for the Blue Jackets. They're now dead last in the Central Division. I think this is going to definitely spell the end of John Tortorella. Again, the Canucks are turning out to be a terrific story here. 2-0 and since coming out of the pandemic as they beat the Leafs again 6-3. to uh, what, a, what a tremendous story when you consider almost missing a month. And now they've won two games. Uh, also against the best team in their division and one of the best teams in hockey, too. Now, they did get the break of being at home, but still, I don't think too many people had the Canucks uh, winning their first two games, one in overtime and a 6-3 win. And again, the story ends up being Brayden Holpe as he makes 37 saves. If he could start coming around here, maybe this could be a fun little run here for Vancouver down the stretch. They've got a lot of work to do because, again, of all the games that they still have to play. They've got 39 points. They're eight back of Montreal, but they've got four games in hand. So, And now Vancouver's got Ottawa coming up. That's a must-win situation. So at least they can put pressure on Calgary. Uh, They're just um, two points back at Calgary with with a whopping six games in hand on the Flames. So if Vancouver could take care of business here, they could at least make it very interesting uh, down the stretch. So... Those are a lot of the things that are going on in the National Hockey League as we get closer and closer uh, to the postseason. But uh, just an amazing, amazing run for Vancouver here, and hopefully they can hold up. Let's get uh, to your tweets, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to Jake. Bruins acquisitions seem to be making a big difference. They have won five straight and still have four games left against the Sabres, not to mention having two games in hand on the teams fighting with them. Do they seem poised to make a run? They are. And, you know, Hall has been good for them, and and getting Rask back I think is big. Let's not forget that they had the troubles they had because they lost both Halak and Rask. That's going to hurt any team losing your top two goaltenders. They start getting healthy on the blue line. Remember, we looked at Boston all year as a team that could win the Cup, and then they kind of faded because of the injuries, but 
hey, with the games in hand they have right now, playing some of their best hockey, all those games against Buffalo, I would caution you when you talk about, oh, look at the games. They got you know, games with New Jersey. They got games with Buffalo. I think it's five total between Buffalo and New Jersey. But you saw New Jersey, they come to play, even though they're not very good. Same with Buffalo. So I would not be surprised if you lose a couple of those games. But still, uh, you got to like their chances for sure. Sam Diaz says, at this point, with the playoffs seemingly out of reach, how do you think Quinn should play out the last 10 games, still battle for the fourth spot, or play it like next season and sit guys who probably won't be here next season like Badetto and Smith? You could do both, Sam. Uh, coaches coach to win, all right? And I think organizations, and this is why I've, uh, tanking just disgusts me, is that you can think about the future but still have the objective to be night in and night out to win games. So until they're mathematically eliminated, I think the Rangers are going to want to win their games and still try to catch Boston. But that doesn't mean that guys can't get opportunities. They've been trying to win here, and yet they've they brought Lafayette, made the team, right? Kraftsoff got called up, got a chance to play. Um, and I think they, and they told us, when Zach Jones signed that he will play this year. And I don't think that was anticipation of missing the playoffs. I think it was anticipation of when he gets himself ready, we're going to put him in. And now there's an excellent opportunity he can play. That does not mean they're mailing it in. All right? If if Truba is hurt and you want Bedetto out of the lineup and so do I, that gives room for Hayek to come back in and Zach Jones to play. You know, so maybe maybe you don't rush Truba back. Or maybe, hey, when Truba does come back, all right, you know, Brendan Smith, you're an important piece here. We could have traded you. We didn't because we want you to work with the young kids, but maybe you got to work with the young kids during practice because we're gonna we're gonna have you be a healthy scratch. You could still do that and have every intention of winning the game that night. So I think you could definitely do both. Uh Tony says the Leafs uh the Leafs fan in me is seeing the issues that were worrying me going into the playoffs the last few years over, again, inconsistent goaltending, lack of defense, scoring droughts from top stars. Can we see them win the North, or are we looking at another first-round exit? Well, here's what's interesting about Toronto. I think they're better than those teams that always just couldn't be Boston. Like, was it was it not being able to make a run in the playoffs, deficient in certain areas, or just not being able to find a way to be Boston? Now you don't have to worry about Boston, at least not until you get to the conference final or the final, right? I think they're the best team in this division, and I think you would be disgusted if they lose, all right? I think their toughest competition is Winnipeg. I don't believe in Edmonton. I don't believe in their goaltending. I think they're way too top-heavy. They're having a great year, but listen, Toronto, for all their struggles, very average over the last 10 games at 5-3-2. and two. You still have a four-point lead on Winnipeg, although Winnipeg does have a game in hand. You still have a five-point lead on Edmonton. Edmonton's got two games in hand, so it's not over. But I still think you're the best team. you got the best goal differential right there with Winnipeg. The goaltending has been inconsistent. I get it, but you did make trades to get it better. You have options now of guys you can play. When Anderson comes back, you can play Campbell. If you don't want to play Campbell, you got rid of it. You made that deal for a reason. So I think Toronto is in better shape than they've been. I understand your concern because this is a team that has not won a cup since '67. This is not. A, this is a team that has made the conference finals in, in in what has been 20 years almost. But I think I still think they're the best team right now uh, in this division, and I think they'll win it. Ryan says embarrassing night for the Rangers, but hard to see the Islanders coming out strong. Um, the Truba likely being out longer term. Would you like to see Jones play the next game? Yeah, again, yes, I would. 
I got you got to get Hayek back in there. He replaces Bedetto. If Truba's not going to play, it's an excellent opportunity for Zach Jones. I would fully expect Jones to be ready to play Thursday at the Garden unless Truba is available. And then Hayek, I think, replaces Bedetto, and then they wait. But I think this is an excellent, excellent opportunity. David says, for someone who didn't watch hockey until the post-04-05 lockout, can you explain what the dead puck era was? I hear it mentioned, and I gather scoring was lower. What exactly made it that way? Sorry for the odd question. I just want to get the facts straight. Well, here, here is the dead puck era. Before the lockout, the NHL had teams, the Devils, the Florida Panthers, many teams. Detroit played a left-wing lock of a style of play that really took the offense away, all right, where teams would clog up the neutral zone, make it difficult to get into the zone. Teams would try to to, uh, chase the puck, dump it in. You had goaltenders like Marty Brodeur that would go into the corner, act as a third defenseman, clear it out. There just wasn't any room. Clutching and grabbing was tolerated. They didn't call those penalties as tightly. And there just wasn't any room, and there just wasn't any offense. It was almost impossible to come back from two goal deficits. 3 2, 2 1 games were plentiful with maybe 15, 16 shots a game. It worked for a lot of teams, especially a lot of teams that were bereft of offense, but it really didn't work and add to a lot of excitement with the league. And once you got a lead, if you went into the third period, you played Detroit, you played Colorado, good teams, and you were down 2 1, those teams would lock it down, and you just would not be able to come back. So when the lockout hit, the NHL, and wisely so, decided we've got to figure out ways to change the rules here so that we can open up the offense. So one of the things they did was eliminate the red line. What that did was allow long passes. There were no more two-line passes where, you, where you'd pass the puck out of your own zone. If it crossed the blue line and the red line and then be touched by a player as a two-line pass, it was whistled down. Now you can use the length of the ice for stretch passes. They called more of the clutching and the grabbing. The slashing of the stick was legal back in the day. As long as you didn't make contact with the body, now that's still a slashing penalty. More power play opportunities. Um, Also, what came from that is that there was more room because you couldn't grab and clutch players and hold them up. Interference was called more. There was a time where you'd dump the puck in and the defenseman on the blue line would hold the forwards up and not allow them into the zone. Can't do that anymore. That's interference. So interference is called more. Opens up the ice, gets more power play opportunities that leads to more goals. They put the trapezoid behind the net, not allowing the goaltender to leave the trapezoid, not be able to go into the corner and clear the puck themselves. So all of those rules changed. It increased the offense tremendously, and that is now why we refer to pre-lockout the dead puck era. In the 80s, it was wide open, but once you got to like the mid-90s until the lockout, that 10-year period... There wasn't just a lot of offense, so hopefully I answered your question. Tommy says, must win for the Blackhawks versus Predators tonight if they want to keep slim playoff hopes alive, but even if they don't make it, they exceeded my expectations this year, and I'm excited for the future. I put the Rangers and the Blackhawks in very similar situations, right, where they're both kind of in that rebuild, but the rebuild is going to happen very quickly, and they did surprise some people, Chicago, with their great start. wasn't sustainable. But that doesn't mean it's not something you can look forward to for the future. So, Tommy, I love your attitude because that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, you're disappointed you're not in the playoffs, but you can really see a pretty bright future with all those kids. Steve asks, what needs to happen for the Rangers to be able to make the playoffs? They'd almost have to run the table, really. I mean, the Rangers are probably going to have to go a minimum of like 8-1-1 one, and one 
in these last 10 games, and then you have to hope still that you get within four points of Boston, get ahead of them in a row wins, and then that way if you could sweep Boston at the end of the year, you can get the tiebreaker. But you're still asking to be able to make up those two points in the eight games between, which doesn't sound that unreasonable, but the way Boston is playing now with them having the two games in hand, remember they still have the two games in hand, so it even if the Rangers were to you know, continue to win games, Boston can still add to their lead because of the two less games that they played. So really, there's no way around it. Rangers just have to win, and they're going to have to win in an incredible clip. So we'll see if uh, that can happen. And finally, Calvin says, COVID to rip through everyone above them in the standings, offense, and for them to win out the rest of the matches, probably we'll have to wait till next year. He's talking about... Uh, He's answering a question about the Rangers, uh, Calvin. Uh, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Same for the Sharks, too. They're going to need a lot of help to be able to get into the playoffs. So I love when the player, with the, the, the fans kind of rip into each other a little bit. That's always good. All right, we uh, we got a little bit of a preview from uh, Tommy talking about the games tonight. Uh, so let's talk about the only four games, but all of them are pretty meaningful. Montreal and Edmonton from Edmonton, that's a good one as the Canadians looking to bounce back after the loss to Edmonton earlier in the week. Uh, Tommy mentioned the Blackhawks and the Predators. That's a 7 o'clock start, so that's an early start in Nashville and Chicago on NBC Sportsnet. So NBC Sportsnet got it right because that is a huge, huge game. So is the Wild and the Coyotes. Coyotes trying to hold on to their final playoff spot and the Sharks and the Golden Knights from Vegas. And Patrick Marlowe, not the attention he had for the last game, breaking Gordie Howe's record, but this will be the 900th uh, game that he's played um, consecutively. So that's pretty good too, which is uh, right now – putting just behind uh, Keith Yandel, which is the fourth most uh, in NHL history. So that's actually pretty cool uh, to watch at 930. In Vegas, um, it's already uh, could be the first team in the NHL to clinch a, a playoff spot with a victory tonight. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. So thanks for all the participation. We'll be back with you again on Friday. We'll have the top five of the week and all that. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.